And with that, I want to get into the uh, sermon for today. You know, we've been going through the book of John for, I don't know, about half a year now, going through the entire book. We're taking a bit of a break right now because of the holidays. Last week, my message was focused on Christmas, on uh, the birth of Christ and what that means for us. Today, I'm going to be focusing on something different as we go into the new year. Next week, I'm going to be talking about fasting before we begin our fast. And then we will head back into our series in the book of John. Today, what I want to talk about on December 31st, the last day of this year, is I want to talk about the Word of God, the Bible. Why do I want to do that? Because this is a, amongst other things, a shameless plug, a shameless plug for our daily Bible reading plan that begins tomorrow. That begins tomorrow. Shameless plug. I boldly make this plug. Uh, starting tomorrow, we will be having two Bible reading plans that you can join, that we invite you to join, we encourage you to join. A one-year plan where the entire Bible will be read through in one year, which covers about four or five chapters a day. And then a two-year plan in which you go over about two chapters a day, one Old Testament chapter and one New Testament chapter. That's a little bit less reading uh, for those who'd like to kind of maybe take their time and ponder upon it more, um, or, or just it's just up to you. Whatever you would prefer, we have two different Bible readings that start tomorrow. If you go to our website, there's a link there, and you can join our Bible reading groups where you can kind of comment and ask questions, and, and you can read each other's comments and stuff and just read together as a group. So I hope that you will consider that. This is, along with prayer, Actually, I, you know, I don't know of a better way to start the new year than with a, a, a refreshed, a renewed commitment to the Word of God. So, I'm going to be speaking today, after the shameless plug now, on the book of Psalm, chapter 119, verses 9 through 16. Now, it, you may know Psalm 119. It's very famous. It is the longest psalm in the Bible a.k.a. the most challenging day of your Bible reading plan, if, if it does an entire chapter at a time, it is 176 verses, a whopping 176 verses. If you open your Bible at random and stick your finger in it, there's, I think there's more of a chance you'll end up in Psalm 119 than anywhere else in the Bible. It is a, a love song to the Word of God, is what it is. It is broken up into 22 stanzas because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's an acrostic, right? So for us, it'd be like 26, 26 stanzas. And uh, the first stanza starts with A, the second starts with B. In the Hebrew Bible, the first stanza starts with Aleph. The second stanza, which is today's, starts with Bet, the second letter. So most of the uh, verses in the stanza start with the letter bet. Now, this is just a, a love song to the Word of God. And this guy, this psalmist, was so in love with the Word of God, he wrote 176 verses about it. You know, there's a, there's a, a funny story, well, funny and morbid at the same time story about this. There's a uh, a man named George Wisher. He was a bishop of Edinburgh back in the 17th century, and he was condemned to death. And as he was on the gallows waiting to be hung there, there was a, a custom. 
There's a, in their culture at the time where before you died, before you were executed, you can request a psalm to be sung, any psalm that you wanted to. And George Wisher, he, he, he um, asked for, guess what, which psalm? You guessed it, Psalm 119. And I don't know if at that moment people like groaned like, oh, Psalm 119. He wants us to sing Psalm 119. Or maybe some people were like, yeah, Psalm 119. I love that psalm. But George Wisher chose the longest psalm in, in the Bible. And so as they're singing, they, 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 they didn't get two-thirds of the way through before a pardon came for him. And George Wisher survived, and, and he was not executed. I don't know if the pardon came because... You know, they're like, this psalm is too long. Let's just let, let the guy go. Probably not. Well, no, he knew. He was kind of hoping and expecting a pardon may come for him, and he was delaying. It was a delaying tactic. So maybe he wasn't that holy in choosing Psalm 119, but it worked because they were singing it for quite a while. Um, but this psalm is a love song to the Word of God. So I'm going to read through these eight verses, and then we're going to come back and, and look through them a verse at a time. It says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now, you can already see how much this is about the word of God. In fact, somebody who was keeping count said that in 176 verses, the psalmist talks about the word of God in, in uh, at least 171 times, either in the form of his word or his precept or his commandment or his teaching or something or another. It is all about the word of God here. So let's go through this one verse at a time and, and, and seeing what the word of God has to do with us and why is it so important and why it is that I'm really encouraging you to make this a central part of your life in 2024. It starts off saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? And you know what, when I hear this, when I hear the psalmist say that, how can a young man keep his way pure? I, I hear more than just conjecture, more than just, you know, um, thoughts about, oh, I wonder, how can a young man keep his way pure? When I read this, I hear a sense of, if not exasperation, at least frustration, or at least a deep sense of challenge. If I could read it like this, I, when I read this, I hear him saying, how? How is it possible? How does a person keep his way pure? How do we do it? How do we do that in this world? How do I, how do I keep my life, for example, free? From, from materialism, in the love of money. How is that possible? Living here in Silicon Valley, surrounded by so much wealth, with such a high cost of living, how do I keep money from mastering my heart? Whether it's like desiring it so much that it becomes my God, or being so afraid of not having it that it becomes my God in a different way? How can I be free from the love of money? 
Or maybe you say, how do I keep my heart free from anger? It's just so hard. How do I do it? People here can't drive. You see the way they cut people off? Every time I'm on the road, almost all the time, I feel like, man, so why are these people cutting each other off like this? And when it rains, forget about it. Forget about it. I know Californians, is like earthquakes, no big deal. That was just an 8.6. But once it rains, don't go on the road. Forget about it. How do I keep myself from getting angry, whether it's from road rage or, or, or in my interactions with my spouse or my kids? How? How do I keep myself free, my heart pure, from being anger, angry in an unrighteous way? Lord, how do I keep my heart pure and, and being free from anxiety or fear that is so present in my life? Maybe you feel like that's something that you constantly are dealing with, this fear of the unknown. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety and you feel, you know, it's affecting your health and you constantly are afraid of what tomorrow might bring. How do we keep ourselves pure, free from these things? I've, in 2023, you know, you may have experienced certain highs, you may have experienced certain lows, I certainly have felt verse nine here. There have been times in 2023 where I have said, I've shared this with my wife, I've said, man, God, I am so sick and tired of myself in different areas of my life. I'm so tired of myself. Why can't I change? Why, why am I like this, God? I don't know if you've felt that way before. I certainly have. And I resonate with the psalmist. How, how, how can I keep my heart pure and free from these things? Well, he says, this is how you do it. By guarding it according to your word. You know, when he says, by guarding it according to your word, guarding what? What is he saying? Guarding your way, right? Way here, when we read this, we tend to just think, oh, way, it means your manner or your custom of doing things. But in the Hebrew, the word way, the root, like in English as well, I think, the root has to do with a road, with a path, something that you travel. And, and back in ancient times, not only in ancient times, but even today as well, people really understood how dangerous it could be when you traveled on the roads out there, especially in the ancient world. Also in, in parts of the world right now, but. You know, thankfully in the Bay Area, generally speaking, we're, we're not afraid when we go on the road and we travel, whether it's to, you know, I don't know, down to Los Angeles or, 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 or to our local supermarket, right? It's not something we really worry about, but in other places in the world, and certainly in ancient times, they understood this, that when you went on the road, especially if you needed to travel a distance, this could be a very dangerous thing. There were bandits, there were robbers, there were people waiting in ambushes, when you went through the high mountain passes with narrow roads, you had to watch out. When you passed through different clan territory of different clans, you had to watch out. All sorts of things. There could be bands of raiding marauders popping up over the hills at any time. Roads were dangerous. This is why things really uh, changed a lot under the Roman Empire, under what we call the Pax Romana, right, the Roman peace, where they built all these roads and they had the army all over the Roman Empire and the roads became much more guarded and people could travel from place to place without as much fear. What, what the psalmist is saying here is 
what, you know, for us, if we want to keep our way pure, the way that we live, it, it, it's a fool's errand. It's foolish if we think that we can do that and we leave this way unguarded. If we leave it unguarded. If we, it, how do we guard it? With the word of God. So what he's saying is that if you don't have the word of God there, the word of God is like, like an army. It's like standing guard over the way, the road of your life. And when you don't have the word of God in your life, when you're not reading it regularly, when it's not a part of you, you are leaving your way unguarded. And you should not be surprised when you fall to anger or lust or fear or anxiety or different temptations again and again and again. And you're there wondering, how is it possible, God, to follow you? How can I keep my way pure? I want to. I feel like it just happens again and again and again. And I think the psalmist would say, are you guarding your way? Is there an army there? Is there an armed guard protecting your way? That armed guard is the word of God. That's what protects your way. You know, parents too. I think this is especially pertinent for us. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's important for us as parents to guard the path of our kids too with the word of God. You know, we would, as parents, I don't know about you, but you know, we would never, right, tell your kid to walk down a dangerous alley by himself at 3 a.m. in some sketchy part of town, right? Would you ever do that? We would never do that. But what do we do? We work so hard to prepare our kids academically, maybe socially, so they can get along with people in this world. But if we don't equip them with the word of God, we are actually leaving them defenseless in this world, unguarded. We may be preparing them for so many things in this world, but not in the most important way. When the devil came to attack Jesus, to tempt him in the wilderness three times, he came again and again and again. How did Jesus defend himself each time? Did he say, how dare you, devil? I call upon all the holy light beams of heaven to burn you to a crisp. I guess he probably could have done that. He could have said, I call upon 12 legions of angels to come and remove Satan and take him far, far away from me. He could have done that, but he didn't. Each time, what did he say? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He, Jesus Christ, defended himself. He guarded his way with the word of God. How can we keep ourselves pure? We need to guard our way with the word of God. Do you have that guard in your life? In verse 10 it says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Now the, the thing that I think is really interesting here is that when he says, with my whole heart I seek you, I think a lot of us can relate to that, that feeling. God, I want to love you with my whole heart. I want to seek you with my whole heart. How many of you have ever said that? I want to worship you, God, and love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If any of you ever said that, can relate to that, that's really, really like what the psalmist is saying here. He wants to follow God with his whole heart. But you know, if we just say that, 
Without anything else more specific beyond that, it is really amorphous. It's really meaningless. It's like saying, I want to be more healthy. Don't you all? How many of you are going into 2024 saying, I want to be more healthy? Maybe a lot of you have. If that's all you've said, guess what? You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You said, well, I've got a gym membership. Yeah, you're still going to fail. You're going to go to the gym for January, and then you're going to lose the rest of your money. So just get the monthly, okay? Get the monthly. It's not going to work unless you are more specific. Unless you say, well, you know what? I'm going to have a workout schedule. These are the days that I'm going to work out. I'm going to have a workout buddy. I'm going to do the number one thing that helps you lose weight, which is to get a scale and weigh yourself every day and a commitment to healthier eating. If you don't have these specifics and you just say, I want to be more healthy, you're not going to get anywhere. If you say, you know, I want to follow you, God, with my whole heart, and that's your, you're passionate, you're motivated about that, but it doesn't go beyond that to the specifics, you're fooling yourself. What are the specifics? Let me not wander from your commandments. The word of God. Those are the specifics. This is what it means to love God with your whole heart. So if you are passionate, you're going, and you might be going to 20, into 2024 saying, you know what, it's a new year, I'm gonna turn over a new leaf, I really wanna get my relationship with God right. That is an awesome desire. I think that's great going into 2024 like that. But if that's all you have, this desire, it will fizzle fast and you will be disappointed and wondering, how can a young man keep his way pure? It just seems so impractical, so impossible. The way is by not wandering from his commandments. The way is by knowing the specifics of what God teaches and having that be a part of your life. That passion is fantastic, but it needs the word of God as the foundation. Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Storing up here, um, it, this means more than just reading. You know, for some of us, maybe your Bible, uh, the Bible in your life is something that you just read. Now, reading is good. But if you kind of have that perspective of like, my goal is to kind of read through the Bible for today, and then I check off that I read my Bible, or have, whatever your rhythm is. But if that's where it ends, it's going to be very, very limited. Because the psalmist says, he wants to store up the word of God in his heart. What does that mean, store up? It means it stays there, right? It means it stays there. It's in his heart in a way where it doesn't leave him. It's become a part of him, stored up. It's not like it's in one ear and then the out the other. And when you come and you look inside of the psalmist, there's no word of God there because it just flows through. No, it's stored up. He's filled with the word of God. Maybe if you want to store up the Word of God, that means things like memorizing the Word of God. That is a wonderful spiritual habit and discipline to begin incorporating in 2024. Whether it's memorizing a few verses or maybe even entire chapters or books of the Bible. Memorizing the Word of God is a way to store it in your heart. Another way is to meditate upon the Word of God. And what meditating means is to not just read the Word of God, but to treat the Word of God like a multifaceted gem. Where you, when you take the Word of God just like a gem and you look at it in the light, when you turn the gem, the light hits it in different ways and you see different aspects of its brilliance and its beauty. 
And, and, and when we do that with the Word of God, when we meditate on it, when we think about it, when we chew on it, we ingest it, we store it up in our heart in a deeper way. Listen, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, one of the most popular and most famous passages in the Old Testament, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And listen to this. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What he's saying here, listen to the picture here that, that, that Moses writes here in Deuteronomy. This is what the word of God should be. It's something that we should constantly talk about with each other. This is something that we should be discussing together over and over and over again. I would be so excited as a pastor if in our church, the word of God was not only discussed in Bible study or in official church times, but was discussed over lunch, was discussed when you're on a road trip together or, or, or you know, in your home um, with your family, when you are talking about the Word of God, when you're discussing it over and over again. You know, what I would love to see is discussing, when I think about this, Deuteronomy 6, discussing the Word of God like this, it makes me think about the movie Inception. I don't know if you if you saw this movie. I, I didn't realize this when I looked it up that it's from 2010. 13 years have passed? That's crazy. Then I was like, oh, okay, maybe a lot of people in our church who are younger may not really know this movie. But I, what, if you, how many of you saw this movie Inception? Raise your hand. Oh, okay, okay, most of you did. Then you know you had this experience, at least 99% of you, that as soon as that movie was over, while you were walking out of the movie theater, everybody was talking. Did the top fall down? Did it stay up? Is this real life for him? Is it just in, in his imagination? What's real? What's not? And we were talking about this for days and weeks. Do you remember this? Talking with your friends. Did you see the movie? What do you think? Going onto online forums and seeing what they were saying, what people were thinking, things that you might have missed in the movie, what did it mean? We're discussing this, we're turning it over and over again because we so wanted to know. We're discussing it like crazy. Maybe that's a bit pie in the sky. It feels like it, right, for the word of God. But wow, like if we could discuss the word of God, can you imagine that? What did Jesus mean in that parable? I just, I just don't get it. I think there's something more there. I don't understand what he meant when he said that. What do you think? Like if we were able to discuss the word of God in that way and meditate upon the word of God in that way, I think it would be something that really helps us to store the word of God in our lives. Without doing this, the word of God is a very limited value in our lives. It's something that we may, maybe we even gain knowledge, but in terms of actually using it in everyday life, it's like martial arts. Many of you may have done martial arts. You can learn martial arts as a kid. If you don't really practice it, what's gonna happen in a street fight? Right? That's, that's what's going to happen, right? Or you, 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 know, you, you run. That's probably the better thing to do. Uh, I, a few years ago, I took judo here for about six months. 
And I, I took it, don't ask me, well, because well, it was free, okay? So I took judo, because it was free for six months, and I was like, okay, this is a great way for me to get some exercise, because it was a killer workout. And you know, if you don't know what judo is, like the most famous scene of judo would be like the guy grabs a person and flips them over his shoulder onto the ground, right? You've seen it in the movies all the time. That's like a basic, basic move of judo. But do you know how hard that is to do? That is really hard to do. And I was like, oh, okay, they make it look so easy, the teacher. But when you actually do it, and I, I grab the guy, I lift him up, and I try to throw him over me, more than once, I, you know, it's like practice, right? So the guy's like just being a dummy and letting me do everything. And I try to flip him, and then we end up in this awkward situation where the guy's just draped on my back. And I just end up like this. Like that did not go according to plan, right? But you have to do these motions, like this thing, like over, and he makes you do this thing. It looks like you're doing dancing or something. Over and over again. And then when you finally get this like muscle memory, and then when you, when you do it just right, and you get the center of gravity just right, and you flip the guy, and it feels like this 200 pound guy is as light as air. Bam! That feels so good. You're like, oh, that's what it's like. But if you don't practice it, if you don't work on this over and over again, there's no way to actually forget about using it in real life, okay? <laughs> but to even be able to do the move in the right way takes this work over and over again. And for the Word of God to really be able to guard our way, to be able to keep us pure, it's something that we need to memorize, meditate, discuss, more than just read. Verse 12, he says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. What does the psalmist mean when he says, teach me your statutes? I mean, isn't the word of God right there in front of him? He's got the five books of Moses, the Torah, right there. He could just read it. What does he mean, teach me? Teach me your statutes. What he's talking about there is humility. That's what he means. It's, it's the perspective. It's what he means just a few verses later in the next stanza, in verse 18, that we're not reading today, but uh, the next stanza. But he said, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. It's an attitude where when you come before the word of God, each time you come and you say, God, you need to open my eyes because this is a spiritual thing. God, if you don't open my eyes, if your Holy Spirit doesn't take what I'm reading and help my heart to really understand it, to have it be stored up within me, to really have it impact me and change me, then it will do no good. In fact, it will turn me into more of a Pharisee. It will make me more religious, but less relational with you. This is a prayer of humility that says, God, unless you open my eyes, I can't get anything good out of your word. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses. It's actually a verse that I've, I've prayed before reading the word of God probably every single time for the past decade or, or more. I open with this verse before I read the word of God. I say, God, open my eyes that I might see beautiful things, wonderful things in your word. It is an, an attitude of humility. You know, just as if we don't have the word of God as our objective guide, you know, all that passion and desire to be spiritual, if we don't have the word of God, it can lead us into error, 
into excess or into foolishness. But on the other hand, if we don't have the Spirit of God when we're reading the Word of God, the Bible becomes a dead book. And it's something that we can read. We can even have a lot of knowledge like the religious leaders of Jesus' time. But we, without ears to hear, we can't actually understand it. And it makes us more of a hypocrite or, um, or a Pharisee. Somebody religious, but not actually understanding the word of God. Verse 13, he says, with my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. One important thing is that once we read the word of God and we understand the word of God, we are also to declare the word of God. In other words, when we are taught the word of God, we are to teach others. You know, many people think that they can't teach the word of God. Maybe some of you feel that way. It's like, oh, come on, Ulysses. I'm not a, I didn't go to seminary like you. I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to Bible school. Teaching the word of God, that's your job or, or for other people, not for me. I can't teach the word of God. No, the psalmist here says that with his lips, he declares, he declares the word of God. The word of God is not something just for us to know, but also for us to be able to declare to others. And if you think like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I could teach the others the word of God. I don't think I know enough. Hey, that's, even though I, I don't agree with that, I invite you, come teach our children in our church. Sign up to be a teacher, a volunteer in our kids' ministry and teach the word of God to them. And don't underestimate that. First of all, because verse nine says, how can a young man keep his way pure? As a church, we are committed to raising up our children here in the Lord, alongside the parents whose primary duty it is to raise our children up in the Lord. But if you can teach theological concept, concepts to children to like a five-year-old in a way where the five-year-old goes, I get that. That makes sense to me. You've just blown my mind. That means you really understand it. It is, it is not as easy as you think it is, but it is so profitable for you as well. The word of God is something not only that we are to read and know ourselves, but also to be able to teach other people. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Now, you know, what is the psalmist saying here? He's not, it, it, it looks like on, on surface level here, he's saying, you know, I love the word of God as much as I love being rich. That's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. In other words, all the money in the world. What he's really saying is, the word of God is more important to me than all the wealth that you can give me in this world. Money doesn't compare. Now, a lot of people may read that and go, come on, man. Now that's pie in the sky. That sounds so holy, but is that really, really practical? How could the psalmist feel this way? Why would he feel this way? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because of this. People, the reason people value money so much, the main reason, 
is because they think it will give them a better life, right? Isn't that why people value money so much? Because they think it will give them a better life. If I have more money, I can have a better house, which means a better life. A better car means a better life. Better restaurants means a better life. Better vacation means a better life. If I have more money, it makes my life better. It gives me a better life. But the psalmist knows that you can have all the money in the world and still be a jerk. Right? Isn't that true? You can be the richest guy in the world and be a total jerk. There are billionaires who die, and there's probably nobody at the funeral except people hoping to be in the will. Right? You can, you can have all the money in the world and be a total jerk. The psalmist understood this. But he knew that you can have very little in this world, but if you live, if you have the word of God deeply stored up within you and it is affecting you and changing you, that is the means by which you can live a life that truly matters. That's what he understood. Through the word of God, we live in alignment with God, and that equals living a life that really matters. For him, he understood. Having more money doesn't mean living a better life. But having the word of God stored up in my heart, it means living a life that matters. A truly meaningful life. And when, when the word of God permeates your heart and soul and transforms your mind so that this is a conviction that we carry more deeply, that to walk in alignment with the word of God, with the God of the universe, that there is nothing more valuable than that, that that is the very purpose of life, we will come to see that all the riches in the world don't compare. They don't compare. And you'll experience a greater level of freedom from desire for wealth or money and a greater longing and hunger for the word of God in your life. Did you know that you know, back in the founding of our country, you know Harvard, Princeton, Yale, the best universities, uh, Oxford over in, in England, those all started out as theological schools. They were seminaries. Back then, uh, getting into a theological school was like the, the highest achievement. And if you couldn't get into a theological school, then you started to think about, okay, maybe I'll become a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. I'm not saying that to diss you in this room. It's just because I went to theological school. I'm not, you know, there's not, nothing personal here. I'm just saying, just saying, just saying. That's what it was. I couldn't get into medical school anyway, okay? But that's what it was back then. Because why, why, did, why was there this understanding? Because they, they understood theology to be the queen of the disciplines. That's what they called it. Because for them, there was no greater privilege than knowing the word of God in a deeper way. Because it led to a life that was lived more in alignment with God. Now, you certainly do not need to go to a theological school in order to deeply treasure the word of God. Nor should everybody go to theological school. I'm just talking about the culture back then and what they valued. But today, whether you are a pastor or a doctor or a teacher or uh, whatever you do, we can also value the word of God in this way. That there's nothing better, nothing I value more than walking in alignment with God. And that comes through knowing his word. Let me end with this here in verses 15 and 16. I'm going to roll this together. 
And he says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. He ends here with a change in tense. He goes into the future tense here. I will meditate. I will delight. I will not forget your word. He goes, as he ends the stanza, he goes into a commitment about what he will do in the future in order to continue to experience this in his life. And for him, it was continuing to center his life upon the word of God. My question for you, my challenge for you, friends, brothers and sisters, is what will you commit to do? What steps will you take going into this new year? There is, I believe, no better way to go into this new year, 2024, than to, with a renewed commitment to center your life upon the Word of God. What will you do? I invite you to join our daily Bible reading plan or to, to have a plan of your own, whatever it is, but to make it a part of your rhythm. Will it be memorizing scripture? Will that be something you add into your life? Will it be teaching the word of God to your children more? Will you have your family be more centered around the word of God? Whatever it is, I wanna challenge you on this last day of 2023 to go into 2024 with an I will statement. What will you do to make the word of God more a part of your life? Because it is the best way to go into 2024. I end with this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The author writes, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What the author is saying is the word of God is alive. It's alive. And, and this language here is about the sacrifice that takes place at the altar, about the sword that is used to, to, to prepare the lamb or the bull to be an offering to God. What, what the author is saying is that the word of God, what it does is it prepares us to be a living sacrifice to God. We also are meant to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to God. How are we prepared? It is through the word of God. That is how we are prepared to be a living sacrifice to God. Friends, do you, do you, as we go into 2024, do you want your life to change? Do you want 2024 to be different than before? I cannot guarantee you what will happen in 2024. When our, you know, we, we see news of wars in, in Ukraine, war in, in the Middle East, who knows what can happen? I don't know if we're gonna have a soft landing economically with interest rates and inflation. I don't know. I can't guarantee anything there. I don't know if AI is gonna be great or if it's gonna, like Skynet's gonna go online and there's a reference for the millennial, Gen Xers, no, no, boomers. Let's go further back. If uh, Skynet's gonna go online or, or if it's AI is gonna be the greatest thing since sliced bread, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know anything. But there's one thing I can guarantee you, and I don't like making guarantees because I sound like a salesperson, but one thing I can guarantee you is that if you add the word of God to your life in a meaningful way, you will experience meaningful change. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. If at the end of this year, you look back over 2023, you go, man, you know, there are good times, but there are a lot of things I wish were different. 
or I'm, I'm frustrated with, or maybe like me. There are a lot of times where you said, man, I'm so tired of myself. I want to change. I guarantee you that through the word of God, if you add that into your life in a meaningful way, you will experience meaningful change. I guarantee you that. I promise you that. Because the, living, the word of God is living and active.